Well, good morning. Forgive my little froggy throat here. I caught whatever was going around at Christmas time. So um, we're going to do things a little bit different this morning. Um, change up the format for the service. Um, we, we were praying and really felt like God wanted to take this Sunday and be a Sunday where corporately um, we seek him together in prayer and song and, and kind of more of a, a devotional style of, of teaching as we prepare our, our hearts for, for the new year. And you chose to come be with us today, right? You could have gone to Bedside Baptist because... Pastor Pillow preaches a great message. It's comforting. But you chose to be here in all seriousness. And I think God's got something for you. And I really do. So let's seek him together. Father, there are um, many different places people are in in this room, in their journey with you, and in life, and seasons of life. Lord, there's, there's ups, there's downs, there's joy, there's pain. Thank you for being a God who is ever with us. And I pray this morning as we seek you for um, this new year, that you would speak to, to each one of us, Lord, what we need to hear, whether that be a challenge, whether that be a word of comfort, Um, encouragement, Lord, we need that. We need whatever word you have for us. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I love New Year. It's, It's my favorite holiday. New Year's Day is my favorite holiday because football hello like um, as they messed it up when they didn't put all the bowl games on on january 1st but we do the tradition of black eyed peas anybody else do that okay just kind of like new year's uh, resolutions like two of us right uh anyway you should try it black eyed peas are the best but um i like new year because it it in itself has this way of of giving our hearts an opportunity both, as Kristen said, to reflect. And you should take time to reflect. Before New Year's Day, you should take time and reflect on this last year. What were your ups? What were your downs? What, where were you discouraged? Where were you encouraged? Where'd you grow? Did you, you know, go backwards in any way in your walk? And then press forward with what God has for you for the future. One way I I like to do this, and I've done this with several of you, and, and going to give you an invitation for all of us to do this together is to seek God for one word for this, this new year. What's one word that's going to define this next year? There's a devotion there's a, a, a website. You can go to our website and there's a, a link to go to YouVersion's um, one word devotion. It's a four day devotion. You actually can read all four devotions in about 20 minutes, to be honest with you. But the goal of the four days is to seek God. God, what do you have for me? What's one word that's going to describe 2020? And I uh, did it the last couple years, and it's it's pretty pretty awesome, you know, spiritual experience. And and want to encourage you to do that. I already have my word for for 2020, and I know God will meet you there in setting our hearts uh, on Him this this new year. So as we were talking about this service, and I felt like God dropped this phrase into my mind that discipline is the pathway to peace. Discipline is the pathway to peace. 
if you think about it very practically, financially, if you're disciplined with your finances, then you experience financial peace, right? Dave Ramsey would like that. I just plugged his course there. But you really do. You experience peace in your finances. When I'm disciplined financially, I have peace financially. When I'm undisciplined financially, I don't have peace financially. That goes for every area of our life. And the thought is, is if I do what I'm supposed to do today, then I'll be prepared for tomorrow. I can do what I want to, so to speak, tomorrow. If, if I'm faithful to do what I'm supposed to do today, then I don't have to stress about tomorrow. In 2 Timothy 1.7, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, he says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline, or a sound mind. Discipline. I'm not, all of us have areas that we're undisciplined in, and we have areas that you're probably very disciplined in. You know, I know where I'm undisciplined, and I know where I'm disciplined. And the goal is that we walk in a true self-discipline that will lead to peace in our life, because that's ultimately a peaceful life is, you know, the word discipline. And discipline is really taking a replacing a bad habit with a good habit. That's really what discipline, if you're going to be disciplined in exercise or what you eat spiritually, it's replacing bad habits with, with good habits and creating those habits that become part of our life. Paul told Timothy in his first letter, he said, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness for bodily discipline is only of little profit. But good godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. I love that. Exercise and taking care of your your body physically and being disciplined has value in this life, obviously. But he says when we discipline ourselves for godliness, it has an effect on this life and is preparing us for the life to come. So you're putting deposits in your heavenly bank account, so to speak, when you're disciplining yourself for godliness in this life and in the life to come. So we have five different areas that we're going to talk about very briefly on each subject, five different areas that we feel God wants all of us to be disciplined in this year and to, to grow in that. And the first one is being disciplined with my time being disciplined with my time. One year equals 365 days, 8,760 hours, 525,600 minutes, and 31,536,000 seconds. That's what we have in this next year. We don't mind wasting time when we, when we think we have time, right? We don't mind wasting time, but when we would do anything, we don't think we have enough time. And God wants us to live a life beyond regret. I want to live a life that's not filled with regret and to, to make every second, make every moment truly count. In Ephesians 5, Paul says, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time. So how do we make the most of our time? When I am, am tempted to sin the most is when I'm running late. 
when I'm late for an appointment, man, that's one of the areas that I'm frustrated. Anybody relate to that, right? It's because I've been undisciplined with my time and I, and I didn't, I didn't see how much time I really had before an appointment. And then I'm, I'm running late. Uh, me and Brian meet every Friday morning at a Starbucks in our neighborhood. And I, I'm late often. I have to admit that. And, and we'll, you know, you, it's, there's no other reason than I just didn't get up in time or whatever. And I don't want to be that. That's not, that's not valuing his time, nor is it being a good steward of, of my time. The challenge is we have... 1,440 seconds every day. What are we going to do with that? If that was deposited, that much money was deposited in your bank account every day, but you, it was going to go to zero at, the, at, at midnight, how, what would you do with that money? I think taking our, our, that and applying it, what am I going to do with my time? And here's, here's my, my, my challenge. To be disciplined with your time, identify your biggest time waster. What are, you, what are you most tempted to waste your time on? I mean, some of it is obvious, Facebook, social media, whatever. What could you do with those biggest time wasters? And if you even just cut the amount of time you do with something that, that has zero value, right? And replace it with something that could be more productive or more servant orientated to people in your life. Identify that and cut that time in half and see how God will be working in your life and when you give that, that time over to him. Um, let me pray. Father, we want to be good stewards of the time that you've given us. And I pray that you would help us identify this morning where we can be honest with ourselves. Lord, often we say, I just don't have enough time. And the reality is, I don't make time because I waste time. And I don't want to do that, Lord. Help us this morning to make the most of our time as we're challenged in the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Tag off. Good morning. You know, he tried to hit me in the forehead. I dodged that. <laughs> and you know what I learned about Scott is I think the reason that he's late when we meet for coffee is he knows all by. It's kind of an obligation thing. You're smart. I don't think it's accidental. Well, hey, good morning. I want to tell, this is, you know, this is church. We talk about love all the time. But I just want to tell you first how much I love everybody in here. This Truly, genuinely, this church is a special place for me and, and my family. Um, and so the, the 2020, there's so many cool things you can do with that. Like if I was going to title, if I was teaching the whole sermon, I would just call it hindsight 2020. You know, you could call it 2020 vision. And there's like a lot of plays on words. But um, f- for me, thinking about the roller coaster, when I look back at 2019, do you ever feel like you're on a roller coaster ride? And sometimes you just look down to make sure you're buckled in. You're like, is that thing still? Okay, good. Because here we go again. A lot of ups and downs. And I know that, I know that you all can relate to that too. Um, for, for me personally, in 2019 was one of the most draining and frustrating years mentally and emotionally that I've had in a long time. And I think it's easy to try to pluck out the bad stuff that happens when you reflect and you, you kind of like skip past the good stuff. You have to focus harder on the good stuff. Um, in April, my wife and I found out that we were pregnant with our third child. It was, it was really good news and it was exciting for us. And the first two went super smoothly. So a few weeks later, um, we had scheduled to go on a European cruise with uh, hundreds of other peers in the automotive industry. It was going to be a great, great week. And it, it, I'll just tell you, it didn't start off on a very good note because United Airlines lost our luggage. 
And that's not fun if you've ever been through that, like when you're in another country and you're on limited time frames because you're on a boat. And there's like, they got like flip-flops and sunscreen in the, the gift shop, you know, that's about it. So we're on this boat with, with really little to nothing for several days. Finally get our luggage back. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit stressful to say the least. Um, so Friday night of that trip, I'm up on the upper deck of the boat and Jill sends me a message and says, she said, you need to come down to the room. And so I got down there and, and she started to have some bleeding. And this was the, the second to last night on the boat. So the next day, uh, they, we stop uh, at, the, at the last port and they usher us off the boat in front of like thousands of people standing on the side and they put us in an ambulance and they shuttle us to a hospital in Slovenia that seemed like what you'd see in a, a movie, like a third world hospital with no lights on, literally no people. It was crazy. And in that hospital, we found out that we would lose that child. And, um, and I know many people have gone through that and it's never easy to, to think about. It's never easy to go through. Um, but a few weeks later we got pregnant again and, um, only to find out that we were going to lose our second child in as many months. And, um, you know, challenged us in a unique way. I think God brought us together closer through that. But um, meanwhile, in, the, in our business life, we had been seeking a business acquisition. And I felt like every single time we got close, the deal would fall through. We were running heavy on staff. We were saving money. And we just couldn't get deals done. And that's super frustrating in, in a different context than, than your family and losing children. And, I, and I, I begin to wonder, God, what have I done to lose your favor? Have you ever thought that? What have I done, God, to lose your favor? And so we're, go, we're going through this uh, roulette. And, and, and all the while, I started assessing myself. I started taking kind of personality assessments and emotional intelligence exam. And I learned one very important thing about me. And that is that I tend to ruminate really badly on things. And ruminating means that you play things over and over in your mind, even far after the event occurred. And when you ruminate, every time you have that thought and every cycle of that, that mental exercise that you go through, you end up digging a hole a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. And it becomes sort of an obsession like a mental habit that's really hard to break when, you, when you're down in that, that pit of despair and hurt and you're, and you're telling yourself terrible things about your life. You know, I think back from the football days, like how did, I, how did I drop that pass? Like how did that happen? I can remember almost every ball I think I ever dropped I can remember, but I don't remember many of the touchdowns. Funny how that works. Did, did that previous employee really mean the things they said about me? Did I, did I talk too much at that last meeting? Did I say something I shouldn't have? You know, did, did I handle that legal situation the right way, God? Over and over and over. And maybe some of you can relate with this. Now, if you think that God and Satan are spiritual beings that happen to operate on a matter of coincidence, I think you're grossly misconstrued. And it just so happens this week as I prepare to teach a little bit on discipline in our thought lives, guess what? Here I am finding myself in a hole again. You know, Christmas time, thinking, why, why did my sisters not text me back about coming over for Christmas? What, did I, what must I have said to them? You know, what if this next deal falls through? All of the bad stuff starts coming out at one of the most blessed times of year. But something occurred to me recently, and I want to share this with you, that radically changed 
the way that I understood how undisciplined I was in my thought life. And it was this very simple mental image. I woke up on a Monday morning and I, and this inner voice inside me said, hey, dum-dum, why don't you, just for a minute, let's just pause, and why don't you take a look at this incredibly long list of every blessing you have in your life? Whoosh. And I'm like, okay. I started thinking through, yep, yep, this is good, this is good. By the way, we're pregnant a third time. We're about 17 weeks in, and we're, we're faithful that God's going to do awesome things this time around. But right, so let's look at this list, and let's just count all these blessings. Okay? And, and then let's go over here. Whoosh. And look at this little tiny list of these things that maybe aren't going perfectly for your life. Why don't you just take a look at that? And I, and I, look, and I just started thinking about them like, holy buckets, like this is crazy, the comparison. And then I thought, okay, what would those two beautiful little girls that we sponsor in Honduras have to say about my pity list here? What would the, what would the Christians that are persecuted in the eastern part of the world, what would they say about my problems? You know, what would the refugees think about the crap that's not going well for me, if I can say that candidly? In uh, Philippians, at the end of the book in chapter 4, Paul titles that message, A Closing Appeal for Steadfastness and Unity. And and he gives one of the most astounding exhortations about uh, those of us who vacillate in our thought life that I think there is in the Bible. And he, and he says this in Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And he says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And whatever you've learned or received from me, put it into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. Now, in these moments of despair, I, I have gotten to the place where I recite that to myself, specifically verse 8, when it talks about what things I should be thinking about and what things should occupy our thought lives. Good, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about those things. And what if, just what if I actually took that to heart and I practiced that every day or every week or every month? What could happen to my undisciplined thought life? I want you to know something, that God absolutely relates to you and I when we fight depression and anxiety and fears and doubts, and he absolutely understands. And if you pay a little bit of attention, you'll see that he actually prescribes medicine for these things. And I was talking to a a brother this morning about anxiety, and listen, I get it. When you're in it, you're in it, and no thinking positive is going to get you out in that moment. But I do believe that he prescribes medicine uh, to heal the heart. And so as you enter 2020, I think it's, it's a fair, if we all agree that we all could get a little bit better about being disciplined in our thought life. And maybe, maybe you can think a little bit more about what's good and wholesome and pure and what's positive. And maybe we can pray with a little bit more thanksgiving this time around. And maybe, just maybe, uh, God will guard your heart and your mind 
through a peace that is not of this world. And that's my prayer for you. So I want to pray that today, if you'll pray with me. Jesus, you, you give hope in such an incredible way that we cannot gain hope from any other place. And Lord, I want to pray for every single person who is battling mental burdens today, who feels like they are not good enough, who is replaying trash in their mind, the garbage that people have spoken to them, that have called them things that they are not, that they believe that things will not come to fruition, that you believe will come to fruition, that need a word of hope and encouragement. And I pray that every day they would wake up in the morning and sit on the edge of their bed and say, God, thank you for being faithful. Thankful, thank you that you don't treat me like I deserve. You treat me so much better. And Lord, help give every single person in here breakthrough and understanding that you will guard their hearts and their minds against evil, against the enemy, against fears and depression and loneliness and despair and all these things. For you, the mighty God, the mighty healer, and may your love fall upon each of our hearts in a true and real way today. May you get the glory, Jesus. Amen. Let's sing a song together. You guys can go ahead and stay seated if you'd like. I pray that this song becomes a, becomes a prayer in your hearts. And just declare this to him today. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you. Open up my song worthy of every song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever breathe worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever sing. Oh, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. You are holy. There is no one like. 
transition there. <laughs> Hi, Steve. How are you? My name is Mike. If you haven't had the chance to meet me before, or if I haven't had the chance to meet you, I should say. And uh, this is uh, kind of my first time speaking like this. I call it naked because there's no guitar or no piano or anything. So I apologize ahead of time. Yeah, can I hold that? No. I apologize ahead of time if I start sputtering in sentence fragments or sounding like Ozzy Osbourne or something like that. <laughs> By the way, have you ever noticed that Ozzy Osbourne, he, you can't understand what he says, but when he sings, it comes out crystal clear. I think it's kind of maybe be like that. We'll see. <laughs> how many, buddy, how, how, see, there we go. How many people know that life is full of struggles? Can you raise your hand by a show of hands? Okay, if nobody else raised their hands, whoever didn't raise their hands is struggling with honesty. <laughs> or you're probably asleep. One of the two. Oh, yeah. One of the biggest battles we face in life is war against the flesh. It's a fight to control our impulse to gratify the flesh. As humans, we have a tendency to satisfy the emptiness that we feel with various vices or substances or whatever. It could be anything. Um, it could be uh, sexual. It could be alcohol. It could be drug use. It could be food. It could be shopping. Insert any personal vice you can think of. We always have a tendency to try to gratify the flesh like that. We turn to all kinds. And it could be anything. Anything that you try to fill that empty void that you feel in your heart. And the thing is... If we don't fill that void with the things of God and with Scripture, it's never going to get filled. What happens is you keep trying to fill these things in your life um, with these different vices, and it ends up creating a bigger sinkhole 
in your pathway to peace. Or, yeah, and it gets bigger and bigger if you don't uh, check into it and it goes unchecked. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory um, with my life. For 20 years, I've fought alcoholism um, to the point where it uh, got really out of control up until very recently. Um, you know, and it starts out the same way um, it does for for anybody. Um, starts off as a good time, hanging out with friends, go out when you're younger, have drinks, whatever, have fun. But it never stopped at that because I started to lie to myself that oh, I can take care of it. I can moderate this. And... Uh, what it became was a big lie to myself because after 20 years, it turned into something that I depended on, that I was using that and alcohol in place of filling that void with the things of God, with Scripture, with just seeking Him for that place of emptiness. And it turned into nothing but damage and chaos, um, legal issues. I've... Uh, actually had multiple DUIs from this. Um, I've, <laughs> I've lost my family very close to losing my family multiple times because I couldn't stop. And I, no matter how many times I prayed, I prayed over and over to God to take this away. What, what am I doing wrong? How do I constantly fail? Because in my heart, I wanted to stop. I wanted to get put an end to it. I wanted to moderate. I wanted to practice more self-control. I wanted to take control of my actions. But it never went that way. And I always wondered why. God, you know, you hear me. How come uh, you're not answering my prayer? So, and it's because I couldn't just pray for it to go away. Now, I'm not, put, I'm not saying that prayer doesn't work. I'm not taking away anything from the power of prayer. So don't hear me uh, that when I say that. Because I absolutely believe in the power of prayer, that prayer can break through any area in anyone's life. But that's not the case for everybody, I believe. I believe that there's also a call to action. And then there are certain steps that we need to take in our lives uh, to experience those breakthroughs in our lives. The steps I needed to take, the first, the first thing that I noticed, there's a, uh, a movie that says it good. I can't remember what it was. But they said the first step in fixing a problem is realizing that there is one. And for me, that first step I needed to take was complete surrender of my problem. God, I can't do this. I admit I'm an alcoholic. I have a problem. And I can't do it on my own. And I've fought this. I've said this prayer over and over before. There was another time when I was trying to fight with staying sober that, um, that I thought I surrendered it to him. But I didn't fully surrender because I still had that inkling in my, in my mind that I could be able to fix it. I could be normal. I can moderate. But all it was was just lying to myself because I never fully surrendered that. So that's the first and most important step is you have to surrender it to God and be like, God, 
I can't do anything about this. I cannot do this on my own. This has got to be with your help and just completely submitting it to him and relying on him completely to carry you through. But that was only part of it. The other step that needed to be taken is I needed to get support. I needed to take action more than just with prayer. There's many forms of taking action uh, for anything that you're dealing with. For me, for an example, was I started attending a 12-step group. I went to AA, and I still continue in AA. And this was very recent, by the way. Um, Right now, I'm uh, celebrating four months without having a drop. So, thank you. And it's... uh, it's been amazing, um, just the, the transformations, the, the peace. We're talking about the pathway to peace. There's peace that is, is becoming more apparent as we, uh, in, in family life and everything, as we move forward in this. And it's, it's, been, it's been a pretty amazing ride so far. Um, Jesus even told his disciples that there's some things in life um, and some some breakthroughs that you need more than just prayer to overcome it. When he uh, there's a story in Matthew 17 when Jesus was brought to a boy that was possessed by a, a, a demon. The disciples were trying to cast this demon out over and over, but they were unsuccessful in doing it. So Jesus was brought to the child after the disciples were unsuccessful in doing it. And the disciples asked him, how come we can't do this? How come we can't cast this demon out? And Jesus' answer in verse 20 starts like this. Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. But in verse 21, he finishes like this. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Did you catch that? There's an action step by prayer and fasting. It's the same thing. I apply that to what I'm talking about with my life. There's prayer, but there's also taking the action, all right, and seeking out the support and the help that you need in whatever area you're struggling with. You need to take that action. I do feel, though, that answers to prayers are given through the help and support systems that are all around us. If we're asking God for a miracle, for a breakthrough, that miracle and that breakthrough might be right in front of you through fellow believers, through a friend, through a support group, anything. It might be right there and you're not realizing it because we're looking for like an immediate change. And it doesn't work like that all the time. Jesus was tempted in every way that you and I will go through in life. When he was being tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he was tempted multiple times in different ways. And he could have snapped his fingers, pulled the God card, do you know who I am? You know? And just could have been like, you know, be gone. But he didn't. He defeated him by scripture and combating Satan every time with a different scripture. And that's what we need to do with filling ourselves with that void is whenever we're feeling tempted, we need to fight that temptation with scripture. We need to memorize that scripture to have it in our hearts and our minds being like, no, I will not do this because the word says this. Hebrews 4.15 says, 
For we do not have a high priest that is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Read the word to fight the self-indulgent. <laughs> it's a little sentence I said. I actually thought of this. Read the word to fight the self-indulgence turd. Because that's what it is. That's what it turns into. Self-indulgence just turns into a bunch of crap. It really does. And it just keeps building and building and building to where you feel you're suffocating. The things I need to do daily. First thing in the morning, I need to wake up and I need to tell God, I can't do it without you. I, I need you throughout this day. And I pray that your will is done, that I follow your will and not mine. And at the end of the day, you need to express gratitude. Thank you. Thank you for getting me through another day. Thank you for another day of life. And I guarantee that you will experience change in your hearts if you begin with re your day with reliance and end with gratitude with God. So with that said, I want to end my time with saying a prayer together. It's a prayer called the serenity prayer. Has everybody heard of that? Now, most people know the first part of the serenity prayer, even the 12-step groups, Alcoholics Anonymous, everything. Um, they only say the first part, but there's a, there's a much meatier section after that. So let's pray this together. It's going to come up on the screen, and then we're going to sing together. It starts off like this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Let's worship together. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest with you alone. I fall apart You're the one That guides my heart Sing, Lord, I need you Lord, I need you Oh, I need you Every hour I Righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Where sin runs deep, where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found, is where you are, and where you are. Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. 
song to rise to you when temptation comes my way when I cannot stand I'll fall on you oh Jesus you're my hope and stay sing that again pray that to him this morning so teach my song to rise to you Temptation comes my way. When I cannot stand, I fall on you. Oh, Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Oh, I need you. Lord, I free. How powerful is that? Where God is, we are free. And that's the part that I want to talk to you about today. It's called living in the moment and being disciplined to live in the moment. Who's afraid of that term? It's, it could be new agey. It could be like, as I'm looking through this, as I wrote it down, I thought, I'm going to redeem this because it's, it's very common. It's a buzzword. Live in the moment. Ah, there's some comedians who do some funny stuff about it. But the truth is, is that we need to live in the moment. Who's ever heard of FOMO? This is something I learned about this year. I guess it's been around longer than that. Fear of missing out or YOLO. That's the other one, right? Like you only live once. Like we've got to do this. What I want to do is I want to break down how do we live in the moment because of what that song just said. Where we are with God, we are free. So I want to look at, there's things that we need to know that if we're living in the past or if we're living in the future, we can't have relationship with God. If you're constantly in the past and worried about regret of things that happened, God can't meet you there. Because he only wants to meet us in the present. And the same thing for those of us that struggle with anxiety. Brian was talking about it. It's like digging that hole and it's just going. It's because we're not walking with God in that moment, right? So we want to look at both of those. So I've got some scripture. I want to bring some scripture to us. The first one, we're looking at the past. There's some good scriptures. You can write these down on your notes right there and come back to them. The first is Isaiah 43. It's verses 18 and 19. It says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. And then it goes on to say, now it springs forth. 
right now God has something new for you. He dealt with all of that. Can you let it go? Another great verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We're a new creation, church. Right here, right now, I can stand in unity with God, not because of anything that I've done, but because of what Jesus did, and I can be in the present with him. So what about those times where we get pulled forward into the future? Matthew six thirty four. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. How many of you get caught up being anxious about tomorrow? Let it go. It goes on in that passage, and it's one of the phrases that me and Alicia have really grabbed onto. It says, consider the lilies of the field and how beautiful they are, and yet they didn't strive for that. They didn't toil. It's nothing that they worked at. And it says, Solomon, in all of his glory, the richest, most powerful king of all time, he had everything. He didn't and wasn't adorned like the lilies of the field that God raised up. Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. How many of you feel weighed down today because of things that may be coming? My suggestion is that it's because maybe you're looking too far forward instead of being here with Jesus today. So what are some of those verses? First Chronicles 16, 11. These are the verses that we need to remember for the here and now. It says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Or Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. When we're in God's presence, there's fullness of joy. Not when we're worried about, God, what are you going to do way out there? Or God, I can't believe you could use me because of what happened to me in the past. But in his presence, there is fullness of joy. In the last verse... That's been really strong for me to realize when I'm not walking with God and there's a disconnect and there's something that's broken. It's first John four eighteen. It says, there is no fear in love. For those of you who are afraid at times, check the love that you have from the father for what Jesus did for you. It says, perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So if you find yourself being pulled away from the current moment, either into your past or into the future, move towards love. Reach out and see what God would do for you. So let's make this practical. There's a few things that I want you to write down. There's a book for those of you who are readers that really helped me years ago and has still continued to. It's called Practicing His Presence by Brother Lawrence. And it's this idea of continually throughout the day practicing being in the presence of God. It's a great book, easy read. There's two songs for those of you who are song people that I want you to think about. The first, we actually heard it on the way in today. It's called Breathe by Johnny Diaz. And the second one's a newer song that I've come across the second half of this year called Dream Small. And the idea of that song is often, Kristen, some of us make 20 New Year's resolutions, and it can be very helpful, and it's good. So I honor that. 
And there's also times where we look too far in the forward, and this song is about helping us remember to stay here in the present. The last thing that I'm going to do, it's going to take us one minute. There's a new app that John Eldridge, who wrote Wild at Heart, came out with. It's called the Pause app. And if you have most phones, you can get it. It's Android and iPhone. Um, You can also get it on a tablet, things like that. We're actually going to do a one-minute pause. And it's from this app. It's a free app that you can download. So what I suggest that you do right now is put everything either next to you, maybe on the floor, feet flat on the ground. Some of you will want to close your eyes. But the intention of this app is for us just to slow down and be in the moment with God. So if we could start that now. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. I give everyone and everything to you, God. I give myself to you, Jesus, for union with you. I am created for union with you, God. I give everything in me for union with you, Lord. I need more of you, God. Fill me with more of you. That's good. That's enough for now. So that's the one-minute pause on that app. I've been using it for a couple weeks now. They have a one-minute, a three-minute, a five-minute, and a ten-minute. And I do it in the car. I did it one time when the kids were just driving me bonkers. I went upstairs, sat on my bed, and I did a three-minute pause. And it brought me back to being with God so that I could be a better father, be a better husband, walk with him, stay in the present in his presence. Good morning, guys. So uh, there's a military term that says something like uh, something similar to like the best laid strategies survive right up to the point of implementation. Right. And so I was going to be finishing up three minutes ago when we started this morning. So can you hang? I will go through this very, very quickly for you guys, but I think it's important. But can you hang with me for like another three minutes? Is that cool? Okay. All right. So we've heard some of this today. This life and existence that we have is a crazy one, isn't it? I mean, God's very work and his delight is to bring order and peace into chaos. And we've heard some stories this morning where, man, life can be chaotic and it can be chaotic in a moment. And these pathways to peace, whether they be finance, time, thought life, um, being present, self-control, those pathways to peace, when we are in the, the part of life that is full of beauty and light and joy and kindness, those pathways to peace can be very easy to find. And you just got to walk it. That's all you got to do. And these guys have done a great job bringing that to you this morning. But this crazy life and world that we live in, 
a simple step away is darkness, violence, um, betrayal, chaos. Sorry about that, but uh, but that but that chaos. I mean, that is that's why I say is that our existence is crazy. We live this life in beauty and peace, and we live this life right alongside with violence and chaos. And so, what? Um, you know, I'm supposed to bring the capstone on this on this morning is following Jesus does not make us immune to this experience over here. Right. And I think we've heard some of that this morning and it's preaching to the choir when I know there are people that you guys have walked it. There are some of you who are walking it right now. Um, So following Jesus does not make us immune to this experience, but following Jesus does give us an answer. You've already heard this scripture from Brian this morning, but I'm going to, verses 6 and 7 from Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This passage can be easily misunderstood and often is easily misunderstood. It's not a promise. Paul's not telling us to pray to God for peace and God somehow magically, you know, drops on us this this sense of calm that goes beyond all understanding. That is not what Paul is teaching us. Paul is teaching us that We need to be so familiar with God's character and his presence that when these things come, we can go to God in prayer and we can participate in his peace because he's the only one that transcends our experience in life, right? We cannot transcend these experiences. We have to live them. He's the one that transcends, but we need to know God, his character and his presence presence intimately thus what I would have for the challenge and the really the pleading for all of us as we go into 2020 is in the area of spiritual disciplines spiritual disciplines are what give us the pathway to peace that goes beyond our circumstances getting to know God his character and his presence so I have three very quickly that I do I'm going to share with you but um, and I'll give you some quick hows but what I if you're writing notes down what I want you to do is if you're actively doing spiritual disciplines, if this is something, these three things are something you pursue in 2020, um, it is the motive of your heart as to why you are doing it, which is what I would want you to take note of this morning. So first spiritual discipline, reading scripture. How do we read scripture? Find a reading plan and start. Plain and simple. There's way too many um, reading plans out there. So just pick one and start. Why? Why read the scriptures to get to know Jesus, to become familiar with who Jesus is? That is why. 
Number two, spiritual discipline, private prayer. How do we do that? Talk to him in your mind. Talk to him out loud. Take a minute to listen. Pretty straightforward. Why? You pray to become familiar with Jesus' voice and with his presence. Spiritual discipline number three, fellowship with other followers of Jesus. Fellowship. Fellowship with other followers. How? Well, here at Novation, Sunday mornings, home groups, we got core groups, we have other Novation events. If you're short on time in a given week, then hit the sermon podcast and or the T&D podcast. That is why we make them available. Um, why fellowship? Both of the previous. Other disciples of Jesus are going to help you know him better, and they are going to help you experience his presence and know his voice. Guys, as we go into 2020, these three disciplines, they won't change the circumstances that you face in the next year or in the next decade. They will not change your circumstances, but they will change you and your perspective on how you see those circumstances, and you will see God work in that. Right? You know, thank you guys so much this morning, dude. Let's stand together. Next week, we're going to kick off a brand new teaching series for the new year called Mirrors, how God created us in his image. What does that mean and how do we become like him? That's what we're pursuing this year. So looking forward to that. Let's pray. Father, as we go from here, May we be encouraged and challenged to seek you like never before, to know you. God, for folks in this room who really don't know you yet or just getting to know you, Lord, help them to apply all that we were talking about in here and remind us that have been walking with you for a while, that we need to keep this, this, this journey in a direction towards you to continue it and seek you even more. Thank you for loving us. Jesus name. Amen. Um, All the folks that that spoke this morning and our prayer team are going to make their way up here. If you'd like to pray with somebody, please do that. If you're a guest with us, stop by the info table. Happy New Year. All right. Have a wonderful, safe New Year. God bless you as you go. As Brian said, we love you. Amen.